Hi, my friends at Future Primitive. I am this morning with Toby Hertzlick. Toby Hertzlick is a facilitator and trainer with a focus on leadership, sector enhancement, and organizational excellence. With Nina Simons, Toby is a co-designer and facilitator of Cultivating Women's Leadership, a program for women working towards social change and environmental sustainability, and has created networks of emerging women leaders in war-torn areas of the Middle East and the Balkans. There's more to say about Toby, but I will ask you, Toby, other ways in which you'd like to introduce yourself to our listeners. Well, um, I would just say that uh, the leading edge of my work, um, which is what I'll be presenting some workshops at Pioneers about this weekend, is um, integrating the learnings from natural systems into leadership and social change, particularly how women lead, uh, but really leadership as a whole, looking at biomimicry, um, how natural, how the natural environment works and what we can learn from ecology and the workings of life itself that can inform how we can come together in human systems to create sustainable ways of living on this planet. And also, um, I'm also offering a workshop this weekend at Bioneers around uh, white privilege and how to leverage white privilege for beloved community. So those are the things that are most on my mind today and um, feel like a, a big part of my work and what I'm putting out into the world. And I'd love to have others join with. So Toby, this is a very crucial moment for what you uh, support and what you specialized in with, um, with um, Occupy Wall Street yeah. and um, and people as others looking for a new way to live together on this planet. So what are your thoughts coming from biomimicry about how we can restructure our society? Well, some of what I love about what I'm observing with Occupy Wall Street is how emergent and self-organizing that whole movement has been and continues to be which is much more of how natural systems work. There isn't a single leader who is calling the shots or saying this is where we need to do things. There isn't a charismatic leader who's trying to um, motivate and take people to a new level. It's, it's really come from the grassroots. Um, lots of different aspects of the movement coming together and creating an integrated, interdependent, regenerative, self-generating whole that is um, really calling for a new way of being that is more life-affirming. So that's very exciting to me mm -hmm. to see that kind of change happening. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, I was thinking while you were talking, the redwood tree doesn't tell the fern how to develop and how to live. So... Um, Have you got some um, some thoughts about um, what we can do uh, systemically to participate in the change? Well, that's exactly right. The redwood tree doesn't tell the fern, and the fern doesn't tell the redwood tree, and yet they are integrally 
connected as part of a living whole and um, a mature redwood forest, as an example, is a really good thing to look at because every part of that system is reliant on every other part. And um, the, there have been studies that show that in, in mature forests, you know, now there's, there's science and technology that can look at, uh, that can tag DNA and can look at tiny, tiny particles of cells. So there's been research that shows that water that comes in, I'm thinking about rainforests now, mm -hmm. that water that comes in to a rainforest is shared among the different species of plants. So those that are more deeply rooted bring the water in and take it way down deep during the rainy season and hold it. And then during the dry season, those particular tagged cells are found in other species that one might assume would be competing for the same resources, mm -hmm. but in actuality, they're sharing it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what we have come to believe about um, Darwinism, meaning survival of the fittest means whoever's stronger and can compete harder and push the others out, that's actually increasingly being understood to be a misunderstanding on our part. Mm -hmm. That actually survival of the fittest means who's best adapted to fit within a changing dynamic landscape? And how can we be fit with one another? And in the natural world, actually, those that cooperate evolve faster, are stronger, um, are more resilient, and um, are more likely to be kind of the leading edge of our evolutionary growth. And you see that over and over again in natural systems. There's also an important piece about reclaiming and bringing the feminine voice mm -hmm. back in balance with the masculine that has been so overemphasized in the development, particularly of our industrial society. And so a lot of the work that I'm doing around women's leadership is around reclaiming those aspects of ourselves as women and also as men that have gone underground, that have uh, been controlled and submerged and dominated by a, a different ethic that are now, we see it everywhere, starting to emerge back, starting to um, take the rightful seat um, as the balance of the masculine and the feminine, the, the coordination of yin and yang. So um, much of what I see in the women's leadership circles that I lead with, with Nina Simons and in, in other work that I do with women around the world is about women recognizing that those capacities and those talents that we know are intrinsically how we move through the world, how we create, how we care, are actually the leadership skills and abilities that are needed in our society and on our planet most right now. And as we look at things like a tendency to want to lead in partnership and a, a, a an inclination to trust our intuition and our, our gut feelings about things and follow that, a sense of um, wanting to uh, uh, cooperate and uh, bring in all voices to the table. These things aren't exclusively things done by women, but these relational characteristics are more inherent in the feminine, and the female brain is actually wired in a way that promotes these kinds of ways of being, and they are what's needed to address some of the extreme imbalance and danger that's in our world these days.
Well, uh, you made me think uh, uh, women's power has gone underground for quite a while. And like you were saying about the the plants that are holding the water underground, it's similar. The women are holding the water underground and they can release it in a time of uh, dryness. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. I hadn't seen that. And in fact, one of the projects that I did with a colleague named Merle Lefkoff, uh, working with women leaders in the former Yugoslavia, mm -hmm. uh, that work, that group named Živa Voda, which means living waters. Wow. And in sort of Croatian, in, the, in their language, there's a lot of um, strong story and heritage around that term Živa Voda because it refers to the water that's flowing underground mm -hmm. that is a source of nurturance and sustenance even when it's not on the surface. I like that a lot. So, Toby, would you like to talk about the workshops that um, you offer with Nina Simons in Okamora here in New Mexico and yes, the beauty of that work? Leadership. And Nina and I have been doing this together for about um, six years. And we're also working with some other colleagues as training partners. Next summer, we'll be working with Sarah Crowell at Okamora. Sarah's the director of Destiny Arts in Oakland, and many people know her and her work with her kids from the Bioneer stage. Um, they do violence prevention work and um, really amazing work through the arts and uh, creativity. So the three of us will be teaching together at Okamora in the next summer and also in uh, California in June. And it's a very, you know, I, I don't use this term lightly, but we've had feedback that it's really a transformational experience for women. Uh, it's a six-day retreat uh, in which it's a deep dive with a very diverse group of women. We're very careful and purposeful about bringing together a group of 20 to 24 women who are diverse in race, diverse in age, diverse in sexual orientation, diverse in what they care about, diverse in ability. We, we bring together a group, diverse in class, that has lots and lots of difference because we feel that one of the things that women's leadership has a real opportunity to move forward in the world is the capacity to work across difference and to undo some of the inequities because as women, we, we inherently know what that's like. We've experienced being... Um, made less than systemically. And so there's an opportunity to take that personal knowledge and expand it into something that can really uh, start to shift our society. And it just makes for a fabulous group of folks that can learn together and support each other and stretch beyond who we knew ourselves to be. And it's deep, a deep dive into reflecting on your own purpose and how that can best be expressed through your particular instrument through your particular self mm -hmm. into ways to shift our society and heal our planet and bring forward the new world that we know is possible. It's a lot of work in cultivating women's leadership about restoring our ideas about what leadership means. Ex and I meet so many women who are out there doing important things, leading from their heart, really making change in their families and communities in the world, but don't think of themselves as a leader because what they've been told being a leader means is, you know, a soul, uh, kind of a lone ranger out there 
exercising power in a particular way, uh, kind of a command and control image. A lot of the cultural archetypes about leadership that exist in our society, and, and women look at that and say, well, I'm not that. But then as we begin to take apart the stories we've been told personally and the stories we've been told culturally and some of the deep-rootedness of how the feminine has been obscured and reclaim that, we actually go into the shadow and unearth some of how that lives inside us and then reclaim that and come back out having integrated our full selves into our leadership. And it's really quite powerful. I would like to ask you... Can you redefine the word leader in terms of a leader in an organic community or leader as a woman? Wow, Joanna, that's a great question. <sighs> well, I think of a leader as one who inspires and aligns others to achieve shared goals. And this is a definition that's used in the Rockwood Leadership Program, where I'm also a, a senior trainer. We work with progressive nonprofits, developing leaders. Mm -hmm. um, I think when you start to look at leadership through the lens of the feminine and through the lens of the natural world, it, it even more leans into not so much what the leader does, but the conditions that a leader creates so that the, the, um, a more balanced, a more integrated, a more whole, a kinder community organization and world can emerge. So, um, you know, in, in the field of biomimicry, uh, my friend Janine Benyus is often quoted as saying that life creates conditions conducive to life. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think an effective leader does too creates conditions that are conducive to the change that we're trying to make in the world, creates conditions that are conducive to a, a new way of being on this planet, a sustainable, heartfelt, equitable, just way of being on this planet to emerge on its own. Mm -hmm. And that's what I see happening embodied in the the uh, Occupy Wall Street movement, that something is emerging on its own. <laughs> the, the leaders, the quote-unquote leaders, are everywhere in that crowd, and now everywhere around the country. Who's actually running it is not so clear, because there's something being generated in a field that starts to look very much like the natural systems that have evolved on this planet for almost four billion years. And when, when we can start to mimic and look like the way the earth itself works, then I think we're on the right track because the ways the earth works is what's lasted for all this time. Sounds absolutely delicious. <laughs> and, and you know, another piece I just want to yes. say is, is uh, I think this new form of leadership is juicy and fun and beautiful and allows us to be our full selves and take what we've left behind back, take what we've banished of ourselves back into the fold. And um, what makes me most exciting is the love and beauty and joy that's in it. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit more about how this manifests in your own life 
and in your own work and how it feels to be that kind of woman leader? That's a good question, too. Well, one of the things that I've learned along the way on this journey is um, that any change that I'm wanting to see out there, I have to do in here. That, you know, what Gandhi said about be the change you want to see in Mm -hmm. the world, it's more than just a nice slogan. It, It actually, in my experience, is how it works. So if I'm, you know, very simply, if I'm facilitating a group, which I do a lot, if I'm hoping that the group will go to a deep, a deeply connected, vulnerable and transparent place with one another in order to do the level of work that they need to, I need to be willing to go there myself in front of the group and have that demonstrate that that vulnerability can be a strength. I think the same is true with any kind of, of social change. That's part of why I'm leaning into the work that I'm doing. For example, the, the workshop that I'm doing next week about understanding white privilege and leveraging white privilege for beloved community, <laughs> I've come to learn in my, in my work, you know, only really in the last 10 years or so, how racism in this country is uh, my responsibility as a white person to address. I used to think that racism was um, a really unfortunate, sad, and challenging condition that people of color mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. had to had to live with and had to work with. And somewhere along the way, I woke up and realized that actually it's it's systemic. It involves all of us, and it's a structure that is kept in place to the advantage of and unconsciously, in many cases, by white folks. And so if I'm wanting to make some change in that, I need to step forward and have these conversations with other white people, and I need to do the work in myself first. So it's been a a journey and a practice for me of understanding my own heritage, understanding my own privilege and what it means, understanding how me as a European-descended American, um, a Jew, whose family came here, my brothers and I are first-generation American, Mm -hmm. but somehow, looking like I do as a white European-American person, I have access to all kinds of opportunity and all kinds of of, uh, benefits of this society that many people I know who families are so deeply rooted here, African-American families, um, people who have, I live in New Mexico, Hispanic families who've been here for 400 years, Mm -hmm. um, immigrants of all different kinds, who are treated like they uh, aren't welcome here in our new arrivals. Now, how does that work? When I start peeling back those layers and looking at my own privilege um, and, and then asking, how can I use this? How can I, it's like I won the lottery or something just yeah. by being born white. Yeah. And I don't need to feel bad about winning the lottery. It's, it's, I, don't, I wouldn't feel guilty if I won the lottery, but I would start asking myself, how can I use this money to help other people mm-hmm. who didn't win the lottery? <laughs> um, how can I have benefit, of course, for myself and my people in the world and for everybody in the world mm-hmm. with, this, with these resources? And that's how I'm beginning to think about my own, my own whiteness, my own unearned privilege, my own advantages. And I really, am, I really believe that until I do that work myself, I can't expect the change to happen around me. And until we all start doing that work, um, we can't expect, as we, 
say it differently, as we start doing that work, we can start to look for and recognize and see our world changing in ways that that really um, benefit and serve and heal our whole community. Yeah, I, I hear you. Perhaps we need to go from the blindness of entitlement to the generosity of privilege. Absolutely. Yeah. And not beat ourselves up for having been blind. You know, it's our whiteness and how that works in mainstream culture is, is literally the water we swim in. Yeah. And uh, as we begin to recognize how it works, to be kind to ourselves as well about not having seen it sooner. It's okay. We see it now. Mm-hmm. Very beautiful. Thank you so much for having this conversation. And um, I, I look forward to your workshop And now I just want to ask you, Toby, what would you like to say in closing? Oh, my goodness. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation as well. Thank you so much. And uh, I just feel grateful that um, you're inviting this conversation with me and with so many visionary leaders and that there are conversations like this happening in corners all over our communities all over the world in concentrated form this weekend at Bioneers. It just makes me feel uh, grateful to be alive and to be connected with so many people who care so much, bringing their talents and their creativity and their earnesty to um, turning to the natural world for guidance, turning to each other with compassion, looking at how we can change our world, hitting the streets. It's a very exciting and beautiful time to be part of this movement. Thank you. Thank you.